the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous Saturday. I am, uh, uh, you know, if you're joining us right now, you're tuning in to uh, Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi. I'm so excited to tell you that I have my dear brother, Sam Shamoun, back with us here. And uh, we definitely uh, have, uh, you know, quite the treat for you. So, uh, Sam, uh, welcome, brother. And thank you so much for making time for us. I know you're busy all the time, but uh, we are so blessed that I'm sure the audience will be blessed by it. Well, uh, praise the Lord Jesus Christ to use me again to serve you and your audience for His glory's sake. So, in Jesus' name, and I hope my sound's good. How's my sound? You're sounding just fabulous, brother. Now, uh, Sam, uh, you, you and I were discussing uh, different way, uh, topics uh, that we can really uh, share with our audience, and you rightly uh, mentioned that there, the hot debate uh, lately, and especially recently, has to do with the idea that why would Jesus, if He's God, be praying to the Father— and in turn, of course, we want, uh, after we address this topic, uh, we want to turn around and see if the time allows us to talk about why then would Allah uh, be also worshiping. So uh, let's, I'm assuming uh, it will be better for us to start with the Jesus worshiping the Father. And uh, if this could be an intro, maybe, and then if you feel like we need yeah. to do a series of it, we can decide that, obviously. Yeah. Yes, obviously, but um, before I even begin, it's my habit to always invoke the Lord Jesus to bless us, so I just praise and bless and glorify the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, beseeching the Father, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> to fill us with the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> to anoint us to speak truth without error, to glorify Jesus Christ, to bless His people, to convict Muslims, and to give us the health <clears throat> and a healthy voice, <clears throat> anointed by the Spirit, so that Jesus Christ will be exalted and may he increase in us and cover us by his blood. In Jesus' name, we love you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, with that said, brother, are you ready to delve into some of the biblical passages? Absolutely, brother. I will be yes. more than happy uh, to navigate through those. Yes, Sam. First of all, the objection is, and what I like to do when I'm dealing with Muslims, I like to turn the objections against them. But first, we need to provide a biblical answer to their objections. We can't just ignore their objections. The objection goes like this. Jesus is supposedly God. Then why is it in the New Testament, in the Holy Bible, specifically the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, we have Jesus Christ praying to God, worshiping God if he's God in the flesh, or if he's God. That's the objection that the Muslims raise. So as Christians, who are serious students of the Bible, we need to know what the Bible teaches and why we believe it so that we can be ready to give an answer. Now, in this segment, we're going to address that objection, but Lord Jesus willing, in the other show, 
will also turn that objection against the Muslims and show that the Muslims face the same dilemma in that their own tradition, their Quran, and Islamic traditions attributed to Muhammad describe their God as praying and worshiping. But first, let's deal with the objection. Why would Jesus pray to God? Well, <clears throat> there are two, two responses to that objection. Number one, we are Trinitarians. We don't believe Jesus is the only divine person in the Godhead. We believe on the basis of the scriptures, both the Old and New Testament, and Lord willing, we may do a series on this, where we demonstrate the complex unity of God from the Hebrew Bible, as well as the New Testament. We believe that Jesus Christ <clears throat> is not the only divine person, because the Bible teaches that the one eternal God, the true God, eternally has always existed, even before creation came into being, as three divine persons, or three eternal relationships. And the reason why I'm saying relationship is because sometimes when you say person, it tends to miscommunicate. Because when I say person, the individual may be thinking a human person with a flesh and blood body. That's not how I'm using the term person. Just for the sake of time, quickly, by person I mean that the Father, who is God, has emotions, has a divine mind, has a divine will, has awareness, he's aware that he exists, and he's aware that others exist. So I'm defining person in that sense. So there are three of those in the Godhead, and we call those three Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because that's what the Bible teaches. Now, how does that address the objection? If Jesus is not the Father, and he's not the Holy Spirit, but he's distinct from them, and yet he's one with them in essence, and has always existed with the Father and the Spirit, then because they're not the same person, we'd expect that they love one another, they have fellowship with one another, and communion with one another. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. If they are persons and not simply a force, then persons communicate and have fellowship. So, Jesus prays to God because he's praying to the Father, and prayer is not always worship. Prayer also means communion. It means fellowship, right? <clears throat> so, as the Son to the Father, Jesus has fellowship with the Father. He loves the Father and has communion with the Father even before creation. So that's the first part of the objection. And now let me just illustrate that by seeing what the Scriptures teach. If you're ready, my brother, if you can go, then turn to John 14, verse 31. Does Jesus love the Father because he's a different, distinct person from the Father? And have they loved one another even before the creation? John 14, 31, brother, what does it say? It says, and I'm reading from the ESV, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. And so then he said, rise and let us go. Notice what he says again in the last part. It's that the world may know, because I obey the Father perfectly, that I love the Father. So for Jesus to obey the Father and to love the Father means he's not the Father. And prayer is not just worship. Prayer is communion and fellowship with God as an expression of our love for God. So that's why Jesus prays. And if we define prayer that way, all three persons of the Godhead have been praying to one another, even before creation, because they've had fellowship with one another and have loved one another before creation. Now, go to John 17, John 17, and read verse 5 and 24. Verse 5 first, to see, did Jesus exist? before the creation of the world, before he became flesh and entered into, into this world. Did he exist? Yes, he did. John 17, verse 5, what does he say? 
It says, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now, notice what our Lord says. He existed alongside the Father. Again, he's not the Father. And the same divine glory that the Father possesses before the creation of the world. Now, for Jesus to make that claim, he has to be God, because that is the glory that belongs only to God and cannot be given to a creature, according to Isaiah 48, verse 11, which we don't need to turn to, but Jehovah says he will not give his glory to another. What glory? The glory that belongs truly to God, right? And here Jesus says, I was with you, Father, alongside of you, in the same glory you possessed before the world was. Now, with that said, read John 17, 24. John 17, 24 reads, and this is the Lord praying, saying, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So notice again, not only did Jesus exist with the Father before the creation of the world, he was there as the object of the Father's infinite, perfect love. Notice, you have loved me, Father, before even the world came into being. So why would Jesus pray to God? Because first of all, he's not the only person in the Godhead. You also have the Father and the Spirit, and they're inseparable. And prayer is not just worship, it's also communion and fellowship as an expression of love. So Jesus has been loving the Father and the Holy Spirit, and the Father has been loving the Son and the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit has loved the Father and the Son before creation. So we would expect Jesus, the Eternal Son, who is in love with the Father, and fellowship with the Father, to continue that communion with the Father while on earth. Amen. So that's the first part of, part of the objection. Now, just to show that not only, well, we already saw that the Father loves him and the Son loves the Father. Now, there's a second aspect to it. The same scriptures amply testify that Jesus Christ isn't just God, he's the eternal Son, equal to the Father and the Spirit in essence, who became a flesh and blood human being at a point in time. So if you don't mind, if you go to John 1, verse 14, now John begins by introducing Christ as the eternal Word that uncreated Word that has always existed with the Father before creation, whom the Father then used to bring all creation into existence. So Christ is identified as the eternal Creator, distinct from God the Father, and yet in eternal communion with Him. That's John 1, verses 1 to 4. We can skip that, because it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, that's God the Father. So here you have fellowship between God the Father and His eternal Word, and the Word was God, meaning... Jesus, the Word, is fully God in essence, and all things came into being through Him. Now, the key for our discussion is John 1.14. And in John 1.14, uh, it says, And the Word, not the world, the Word that John just introduces to being God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So notice, He became flesh, and then it says, We have beheld His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So notice, He's not the Father, he's the one and only Son, the only begotten Son of the Father, that became flesh, meaning he became an actual flesh and blood human being, so he's man in every sense of the term with the exception of sin. Now, why is that important? Well, one of the reasons Jesus became man was to live the perfect human life. In other words, Jesus became 
the kind of man, the kind of human being that God requires of all of us. God wants us to be perfect in our love, devotion, and obedience to him. Unfortunately, because of sin, we fail. So Jesus comes to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, and he lives that human life that God requires of all of us, but are unable to attain. So Jesus is man as God intended man to be. Now, if there is a God, and there is, and that God is revealed in Jesus, what kind of man does God want us to be? What kind of humans does God want us to be? Atheists, godless, sinful, who have no care for God, who do not worship God, who do not love God, but live the way we want? Of course not. That's not the kind of human life that God wants. If there is a God, and there is, and that God is revealed in Christ, then he requires of human beings that they love him perfectly, obey him perfectly, serve him perfectly, and worship him perfectly. So if Jesus is the kind of man that God wants all men to be, why would we be shocked that as an actual human being, an actual flesh and blood human being, Jesus would worship the Father? Because remember, he's not the Father. He's not just God, he's also man. As man, he worships the Father. As man, he obeys the Father perfectly. As man, he, <clears throat> he prays to the Father. We'd expect Jesus, the God-man, to do all these things if what the Bible says about him is true, that he's the eternal Son, the thing from the Father, in fellowship with the Father, who became man, and he becomes the perfect man, the man that God intends all men to be, all human beings to be. And the perfect man in God's sight is not an atheist, but someone who worships God perfectly. Amen. From the Christian understanding, from the Christian perspective, we can understand why Jesus would pray to the Father. And I gave the two reasons. Prayer is not just worship, it's also communion, it's also fellowship, it's also loving communication. And since Jesus existed with the Father and the Spirit in eternity, the three of them have always loved each other, have always been in communion with one another, always in fellowship with one another. Then when you add the fact that Jesus is also man, and he's the perfect man, the kind of man that God expects all humans to be, then the perfect man worships God, prays to God, and honors God. So there is no problem from the Christian perspective. In fact, if you can, go to John 6, 38. Read that for me, if you don't mind. I don't know how much time we have for this segment, but I'll try to wind it down. John we 6, have, We have about probably, uh, you know, seven minutes, give or take. Okay, good. That's good enough for the, to do this first segment. John 6.38. In John 6.38, again, Jesus is the perfect Son to the Father who becomes the perfect human being. And the perfect Son and perfect human being perfectly obeys God, honors God, worships God, and serves God. So in John 6.38, what does our Lord say? Here's what he says. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And, you know, I want to say one quick thing, Sam, here. It's amazing how our Muslim friends pick and choose. They pick on the fact that he is praying to the Father, but they ignore the fact that he came down from heaven. Yes, exactly. He comes down from heaven again to do the will of another. So that means the Father and Son are not the same person. The Son is distinct from the Father, but because he's the perfect Son who perfectly obeys and honors his Father, he comes to do the Father's will as a man. And as a man, don't forget what John 14.31 says, that he obeys the Father's command. He comes to obey the Father's commands perfectly so the world may know 
that through his obedience to the Father's command, he loves the Father just as the Father loves him. So why does Jesus pray? Because he's the God-man. What do you expect a perfect man to do? Not to pray? Not to worship God? But to ignore God? Defy God? That would be a wicked, sinful man, and Jesus can never be that. So that's why Jesus prays. Prayer is fellowship communion, and as the eternal Son, he's always been in fellowship communion with the Father, and then as man, as the perfect man, he worships God the Father. Now, with that said, I'm not going to show that if we define prayer more broadly than worship, if prayer also means fellowship, if prayer also means communion, and also means praise and glorification, that we praise God and glorify God, are you aware that that definition shows that the Father himself prays to the Son, and that the Father himself glorifies the Son and praises the Son? And he glorifies the Son and praises the Son for being the changeless creator and sustainer of all creation. Go to Hebrews 1, and maybe we'll wrap it up with this. Hebrews 1, verses 8 to 12. Here you're going to find in Hebrews 1, according to the context, if you read from verse 1, the inspired author, which tradition said was Paul, and Paul may have used the scribe, perhaps Luke. The inspired author, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has the Father, quote-unquote, praying to the Son, in that prayer is also glorification, to glorify and praise. And here you're going to have the Father himself glorifying the Son, praising the Son for being the eternal, eternally reigning God, the changeless creator and sustainer of all creation. Now, if you pick it up, brother, at Hebrews 1, read verse 8. Just start with 8 at first. Yes, starting from verse 8 in Hebrews chapter 1. But of the Son, he says, your And he is throne... the Father in the context, by the way. He, that, that's the right. The Father is speaking. So the, son, the Father says to the Son what? Yeah. The Father is saying, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter wow. of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, anointed, uh, anointed you uh, with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Now you can pause verse, there for a second before you go to 10. In verse 8, the Father praises, glorifies, honors the Son as the God who rules forever. But now here's what's interesting. In the Greek text, it says, ha seah. So in the Greek of Hebrews, because it's written in Greek, the Father describes the Son not just as Theos, God, but as Ha-Theos, the God. And that's yep. praise. And what is prayer? If prayer is not praise or glorification, then I don't know what is. So here we have the Father praying to the Son, glorifying the Son, and praising the Son as being the God who rules forever. But then it gets better. In verses 10 to 12, as you're about to read, verses 10 to 12, the Father continues praising the Son. Now notice, how the Father describes the Son in verses 10 to 12. And here is what it says. And you, Lord, again, the Father is speaking to the Son. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens wow. are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Now, let me really quickly unpack it because our time is out. Here the Father 
describes the Son as the Lord, which in context is the synonym for the word Yahweh, or Yahovah. Here, Lord, the Greek word kurios, is the Greek equivalent to the divine name Yahovah. So here the Father says, you, Son, are Yahovah. And then he says that you, Son, laid the foundation of the earth. You did it. And the heavens were created by your own hands, by your power. So uh, can you believe this? The Father is saying to the Son, you created the heavens and the earth with your own hands. You will wear them out. You'll, you'll roll them up like a garment because creation is changing. But you remain the same, and your years never end. The Father glorifies the Son as Yahovah, Jehovah, the one who created the heavens and the earth, who sustains all creation, who unlike creation remains the same. And it's even more astonishing that that particular quotation comes from Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27, Psalm 102, 25 to 27, a Psalm of David where he's glorifying Jehovah in those words, and yet the words of David attributed to Jehovah are now taken by the Father and applied to the Son as the Father's way of glorifying the Son for being Jehovah, the changeless creator and sustainer of all things. If that's not prayer, if that's not praise, I don't know what is. Amen, brother. Amen. And uh, it's really, uh, I mean, obviously, brother, as you know, no matter how hard we try to describe these things, our uh, friends uh, tend to have this runaround attitude. But all we can do, obviously, is to keep explaining, especially to um, help our, uh, you know, uh, the church members, our believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ to uh, recognize that the scripture is our tool. Oftentimes, I find them really at last on how to address uh, simple questions like this. So I'm so thankful for your ministry, brother. And uh, in a few minutes we have, I always like to, uh, you know, make sure that we are a blessing to you. So, brother, tell people how they can get yes. a hold of you, how they can support you, and so on and so forth. Amen. Amen. First of all, I really cherish their intense prayers for me and my two angels, my daughters, that God bless us, protect us, provide for us, Ryan Zipporah. And they can find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, and I'm trying to, you know, have it go viral for the glory of Jesus. It's called Shemunian. My last name, S-H-A-M-O-U-N, and then you add I-A-N. Please subscribe to it, like the videos, and Lord willing, I'm going to increase the content there. And I also write for AnsweringIslam.net. You'll find me under individual authors and AnsweringIslamBlog.wordpress.com. So pray for the ministry. Pray for me to walk in holiness and purity and love and devotion to the Lord Jesus. Pray for the children. Pray for, for the provision, because we're in full-time ministry and depend on God's provision for His people. So... Glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And uh, same here. We ask all of you to pray for us. Uh, we are in ministry, and I assure you, brothers and sisters, it's not an easy walk, but we are so thankful for the calling, and we trust that the Lord who called us will finish the task uh, you know, uh, for us and with us uh, also. And uh, in our case, you can always go, by the way, and listen to this uh, episode and even all previous podcast episodes, and even previous interviews with my dear brother, Sam Shimon, you can go, for instance, to our website, sierrainternational.com. That's C as in Charlie, sierrainternational.com. And just go to the homepage and click on Let Us Reason. You can also find us on iTunes. You can find us on, um, uh, on uh, Omni Studio, uh, SoundCloud, you name it. 
And even we have some of them converted uh, and are streaming through uh, our YouTube channel, which is Sierra International. And I too ask that you uh, prescribe, uh, I mean, uh, subscribe, I should say, to our YouTube channel, Sierra International. And if the Lord puts it in your heart to support Sam or support me, we have a mechanism called Patreon. You become a patron and you can give as little as $1 and as much as the Lord Amen. puts in your heart. So we're th so thankful uh, for uh, these tools that are available for people and thankful for your prayers and your support. And uh, sadly, uh, our time is up. But brother, uh, can we pick it up next week on yep. another episode? Yep. Allah worshiping. God willing. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much. And the Lord bless you all. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.